Good morning, everybody. I'm here today for people who are getting back on track. Oh, yeah, I'm in the right house. Right house. Chris had leaned over me at one point, and he said, you know, when they called my name out, two people cheered. But I told him I didn't take it personally. But on that one, I, I got your attention. I'm here today for people who need strength and encouragement to keep moving forward. Okay? I'm here today for people who are tired of their excuses keeping them stuck. They don't want to be victims no mo. It's no mo. Not anymore. No mo. I'm here today for people who are fighting for their families, their marriages, their children and grandchildren, their friends and their dreams. Um, that's who I'm here for today. Um, people who will walk in the promises that God has for them. Who will say, thank you, Lord. You have already ordained for me a good life in you and through you. I'm in the right house this morning. If I'm, if I'm talking to you, make a joyful noise. Oh, yeah, that was pretty good. It, it kind of was kind of Texan joyful noise that y'all kind of did. I don't know if my Texas vibe or my mom being here from Texas is throwing you guys off a little bit. That was a little bit of a wee doggy kind of a joyful noise. Woo! That was kind of, okay, I'm just, I analyze these things. Okay. Um, in preparation for your meal today, I went to a movie website called IndieWire.com. According to IndieWire.com, Alfred Hitchcock, Francis Ford Coppola, and the Cohen brothers are a handful of the legendary auteurs who have put their talents toward the art of the spy movie. Okay. And I'm talking about spy movies because we're about to read one of my favorite spy stories from your Bible. Found in Numbers chapter 13 verses 1 through 21 verses 25 through 33. Please stand with me for the reading of this passage. You can get that wedgie. Mm-hmm. Okay, now heads up. Before we read, you're going to read some names that are unfamiliar to you. You're, you're probably going to butcher these names, but with a good heart and no bad intent. Are you with me? <laughs> but the names, and especially two of the names, are really important for your heart today, Okay. Two of the names are really important. With that being said, let's read the passage. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. From each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, According to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. And these were their names from the tribe of Reuben, Shemua, the son of Zakur, from the tribe of Simeon, Shaphat, the son of Hori, from the tribe of Judah, Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, from the tribe of Issachar, Egal, the son of Joseph, from the tribe of Ephraim, Hosea, the son of Nun, from the tribe of Benjamin, Palti, the son of Raphu, from the tribe of Zebulun, Gadiel, the son of Sodi, from the tribe of Joseph, 
That is from the tribe of Manasseh, Gadi, the son of Susi. From the tribe of Dan, Amiel, the son of Gamili. From the tribe of Asher, Sethur, the son of Michael. From the tribe of Naphtali, Nabi, the son of Vopsi. You guys are doing good. Keep going. From the tribe of Gad, Uel, the son of Maki. These were the names of the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. Somebody say Joshua. Joshua. Somebody say Caleb. Caleb. Verse 17. Let's read. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. And said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zen to Rehob near Lebo Hamath. At the end of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. However, the people who dwell in the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Y'all doing all right so far? Okay, good. You're getting that story. Verse 30. We're almost there. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it. For we are well able to overcome it. Oh, my goodness. Can we just read that again? Verse 30, go. But Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel. Oh, my goodness. I feel the Lord. Hold on. Hold on. Let me just be right there. Thank you, Lord. Okay, that's for somebody. Keep going. Verse 32. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone to spy it out is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw the Nephilim, 
the sons of Anak who come from the Nephilim. And we seem to ourselves like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. I want to use as our title today, our focus, overcome drawing the wrong conclusions. Say it with me one more time. Overcome. Overcome. Drawing the wrong conclusions. Oh, has drawing the wrong conclusions ever got you in trouble? Oh, thank you for your gospel, Lord Jesus. I'm going to ask you to sit in a second, but y'all pray with me. Some things are standing out there we need to pray to. Father, we do give you thanks for your word, your life-giving word, your strengthening word, your word that brings us clarity. We thank you that at the entrance of your word brings light. So where there is darkness, you're going to come and give us clarity. You're going to give us eyes to see. Give us hindsight and insight. Give us foresight so that you would be glorified. Oh, my goodness, Lord, even as we were reading your word, Lord, I know that there are people who are listening today who are come for a word, who are facing situations and people they think are mightier than them. But even at the reading of your word, Lord, you are reminding them that you are God. You are for them, not against them. Being with you is more than anything else. And so, Lord, I thank you that as we give your word, as you speak to us, you would bring that kind of strength that causes us to go in tomorrow, into Monday, on mission, on purpose. In Jesus' name, somebody say amen. 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 You can be seated. You can be seated. Collins Online Dictionary. Collins Online Dictionary says, When you come to a conclusion, you decide that something is true after you have thought about it carefully and and have considered all the relevant facts. You say, how do we know we're drawing a conclusion? How do you do it? We're going to read it again. When you come to a conclusion, you decide that something is true after you have thought about it carefully and have considered all the relevant facts. All the relevant facts. I want to turn your attention to Numbers 13, 1 through 3. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. For each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, every one a chief among them. So Moses sent them from the wilderness of Paran, according to the command of the Lord, all of them men who were heads of the people of Israel. Uh, I want to help you with this by looking at a slide that says 10 grasshoppers versus two overcomers. In our passage, these leaders, verses 1 through 3 of Numbers 13, tells us that all these 12 spies were all leaders. Isn't that what it said? It said they were all chiefs. They were all leaders. We know that all 12 of these folks had received the same direction, the same promise. It was God who spoke to Moses and told Moses, pick your 12 leaders and send them to go spy out the land. They all had the same promise. They had the same direction. Somebody say they had the same opportunity. How is it? Having the same opportunity, having the same word from God, having this all being uh, people who are 
full of responsibilities, leaders, how is it then that 10 of them say we are as grasshoppers and two of them said we are overcomers? We can do it. How is it? How is that? It was the same God who told them. Am I right? Hmm. Same God. All leaders. Same promise. Same opportunity. But 10, as we saw in the text, missed it. And two entered, entered into it. Entered into it. As we were praying through this passage over, over the course of some time, I looked through this thing back and forth and forth and back and back and forth. And I'm saying, Lord, what do we need to hear this Sunday morning from this passage? It's obvious that two people went in and ten did not. You could read that. But what's not so obvious? What's not so obvious if they're given the same command, they're given the same promise, they're given the same opportunity? What's not so obvious is what is happening internally in these 12. Somebody say interior. interior. What's happening on the inside of them is different. When I looked through the text, I kept looking to see well, did God do something or did he, did he, was there some kind of war or some kind of problem that would cause all of these people who had been given this promise to all of a sudden say, no, we can't do it. And two of them to say, we can do it. I couldn't find anything. For those of you who don't know this part of Israel's history, they have already been brought out of the land of Egypt. They have seen God be God with miracle after miracle after miracle. God says, I'm taking you out of the place of Pharaoh's house to bring you into a promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. They had seen the Red Sea's part. They had seen God be God at every stretch. And yet at this moment in their life, when God says, go and take a look at what I'm about to give you, go take a look at what I've prepared for you. They go and 10 of them come back and they say, oh, no, we can't do it. You just saw Red Sea's part. You saw Pharaoh's army drowned. God told you from the get go where he was going to take you. How you didn't go get yours? We have to really consider it, right? Because I don't know where you find yourself. If you look at every area of your life where you live, work, learn, and play, if you're looking at your physical health, your financial health, your romantic health, whatever, whatever area you're looking at, we have to ask ourselves, where am I sitting? Am I sitting as a grasshopper or, as I, or am I sitting as an overcomer in these areas of life? Do I see myself as a grasshopper or do I see myself as an overcomer in every area of life because wherever we see ourselves as grasshoppers that's where our real work is this Sunday morning he says I've given you these great and precious promises I've given you my word I'm gonna fulfill my word all you have to do is somebody say follow me so I'm here to just encourage somebody who says, Pastor, when I'm looking at my life right now, I'm doing the search that you asked, and I'm finding myself 
in the grasshopper category. I'm seeing that uh, I am intimidated. I am fearful. I am doubtful. I have anxiety about moving forward. If that's where you find yourself, I can relate to that. Because I wonder if, I wonder if over the course of their journey, they're used to making bricks and they're used to Pharaoh's provision and they're going through all the things that they're going through. I wonder if all that transition just wore them out. Can we be real? Can I submit to you that stress might be one of the reasons these leaders went into this promised land to spy it out, got the grapes, brought it back, and came to the conclusion, we just can't do it because, low-key, we tired. We have been walking. We have seen all kinds of crazy, wonderful things. But the fatigue, the stress of the season has made me weary. I don't want to grasp. I don't want to reach. I don't want to become. <laughs> have you ever been there? Well, you say, I know that's good for me. I know that's what God said, but I, I just don't, I just can't, I just can't. It would be so easy to villainize the folks who were the grasshoppers, but that sure would be a big mistake because any of us who are being honest know exactly what they were feeling and what they were encountering. They were in unfamiliar space, following the leadership of Moses who had a, you know, M Moses had a colorful life. And they're there and they're seeing the provision of God, but they're on the move and they are saying to themselves, I wish we could just go back to the bondage we were in. Because we knew that bondage. That bondage was comfy. It sucked, but and it was dysfunctional, but... At least I knew what I was getting. Now I'm in a place and in a position where I actually have to depend on God. Oh, here, here, here. Come on, we can relate. We can relate. Oh, because now they're at the place in their walk as a people where they have to depend on God or they don't go where they're supposed to go. And so if you're in here this morning, you say, oh, I can really identify more so with those grasshopper folks and those um, overcoming folks. I want to submit to you, this could be the moment where you say, I'm laying it down. Lord, I'm going to depend on you. I'm not going to depend on the routine and the familiarity. I know I had a, a, a roof on me. I know I was stuck, but I, I like stuck. But today I'm disgusted with stuck. And I'm ready to take the adventure of reaching, of following you. Amen. Selah. Selah. Some quotes for you as you're processing grasshopper mentality. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. I grew up hearing. Anybody here Lombardi say that? Patton? Because you're young, that's why. Fatigue makes cowards of us all. Is there something God is leading you into? But real talk, you're just so tired, you can't even consider moving into it. Amen. I'm in the right house this morning. And if you're there, what does Jesus say? 
Come, all ye weary and heavy laden, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest. Fatigue, stress is not going to be your Lord. Fatigue, stress, weariness aren't going to decide whether or not you get into your promised land. Amen? Holy Spirit. These guys are focused on the Nephilim, the giants in the land. They are focused on all the circumstances. And in their weariness, I submit to you, they couldn't see the Lord. They couldn't step back and go. If I take an honest assessment, I'm here because of the Lord's goodness. I should just keep following him all the way to the end. Are the circumstances of your life so strong or so nagging that it's easy to become blinded to what God has said about your future in your family and your relationships, your finances? This is real. This is real. Have you heard the expression, what you see is what you, oh, good, you have. What you see is what you get. And these guys, these folks in this grasshopper world are so leaned into the circumstances, how arduous the things are, how difficult it's going to be, how much stress it's going to cause, that that's what they get more of. You get more of what you see. You get more of what you look at. If you're stressed about a situation and you want to be more stressed, just keep looking at the negative aspects of the situation. Your blood pressure will go up. You will probably have a panic attack. But when I look and survey all of the relevant information that God said he was calling us out of Egypt and into the promised land. When I evaluate and consider it all, then I get balance. I get balance. I said, well, surely God wouldn't have called us all the way from Egypt to let us die or to have us fail in the, in the promised land. Oh, man, for you guys who are facing big decisions, I hope you are hearing me. Are you hearing me? Whatever I magnify gets bigger in me. Whatever I magnify gets bigger in me. If you need hope to get bigger in you, you know what you better be looking at. Or you ain't going to make it. Is this real? So, Looking through the text, up and down, back and forth, looking here, and I say, wow, these grasshoppers, they are missing God in all of their speech. When you go through the text and you read what they were supposed to do, you see them saying what was real. They weren't weren't lying, but there was no mention of God and his promise. I would submit to you that part of the reason they came to wrong conclusions is because they were prayerless. They missed it because they were prayerless. 
prayer gives me a moment to talk to the most positive person in the everything. His name is God. How are you going to be looking and talking, dialoguing with the most positive person in the world and be defeated in any circumstance you face? Prayer is what's missing in Numbers chapter 13. Their prayerlessness was going to decide whether or not they entered into the promise or not. And as a result of their prayerlessness, as a result, some people estimate that 2 million people who were tied to those 10 leaders did not inherit the promised land. They died. Y'all are really taking it in, huh? Okay. I'm, I'm kind of excited rated and y'all are like. Can you imagine that? Your relationship with God not only blessing you, but blessing every generation that comes after you. Can you see how your relationship with God impacts every one of your circles where you live, work, learn, and play? If you enter in, you're going to bring lots of people in with you. That's what God's plan is. How do I, Joshua and Caleb? How do I, Joshua and Caleb? (laughs) You, Joshua and Caleb, through prayer. Somebody say through prayer. Ephesians 3, 16 in the Amplified reads, May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. I'm going to read it again. It's it's rich, especially in this uh, translation. May he grant you uh, this great apostolic prayer is being prayed Uh, by the Apostle Paul for the believers there at Ephesus. It's a prayer that we can pray when we want to know, how do I pray for this person? How do I pray for myself today? May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself. Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. The prayer is saying, uh, influence my attitude. (laughs) Remember we talked about the ten and the two, the ten grasshoppers and the two overcomers. What's the difference between them other than the prayerlessness that we eventually boiled it down to is we say there's something internally different going on with the grasshoppers and the overcomers. I want to submit to you that the grasshoppers had a bad attitude. So they said we can't do it because our attitude has already said we can't. We don't care what God has said. Our attitude is bigger than God. Oh. My attitude has that much power. My spirit has that much influence on whether or not I enter into the promised land. Yeah. 
It lets us know God can have so many things for us. But if our attitude is saying no, we won't get it. Just because we belong to God does not mean we're going to walk in everything he has for us. Somebody say, I got to choose him. And if my attitude is not saying yes, 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 yes to you, I posture my heart in prayer so that the most positive person in all of everything can influence me. Because, Lord, you know me. You know I have a bad attitude Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. I got a bad attitude about my wife, my kids, my job, my this. And I got a bad attitude. You know I need your help. So out of the rich treasury of your glorious will, Lord, influence me with your heart. I want everything you have for me. All the good I can do in this world before I'm dead, I want to do it. And I'm not going to look at the circumstances to tell me whether or not I can. If you said I can do it, it's on. Say my attitude is a big deal. Your attitude will help you draw the wrong conclusion or the right one. Your attitude will do all of that. Your attitude will do that. I asked, I asked Pastor Maddie uh, back in November if he wanted to uh, uh, pray with me. And he, 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 he did, and we were just thinking we'd pray one day. And... Um, we prayed before over these years, you know. <laughs> but we prayed, and that day was November 2nd. And by God's grace, we have been praying together every day since then. What is it, about 38 days now? Yeah, about 40 days. We prayed every day together somehow by God's grace. Quite interesting. Quite interesting. And um, I had never prayed with anyone that consistently besides my wife when we were needing that miracle for Landrick. So that, that was definitely new for me. We know that God works in our love, his love for us. One of the ways that we connect with God is through prayer. We know that. In the course of Pastor Maddie and, and I praying together, it fell on my heart to uh, begin praying for his dad again. Some of you know that story. You can get the fuller story after, after church if you don't already have it. And because of those prayers uh, that we were praying together, I ended up asking uh, Pastor Matty if he was willing to reach out to his dad so that his dad knew that Matty was still open to a relationship to, with his dad. Uh, because Matty had tried with his dad in the past and had been rejected, Maddie thought his work, his work was done. He had come to the conclusion that the ball was in his dad's court since he had already tried and been, been rejected. He and his dad had been on bad terms for 12 years, eight years, no contact. 
Maddie's dad missed important things, missed Maddie and Jenny's wedding. Jenny had never met Maddie's dad, obviously, or Maddie's stepmom, or Maddie's fraternal uh, twin brothers. But through prayer together, it seemed like the Lord wanted Maddie to reach out again. Go against that wrong conclusion. I prayed, then Maddie and I started praying in it together more and more. And on November 21st, Ryan, November 21st, Maddie reached out to his dad. Maddie reached out to his dad. And Pastor Maddie, why don't you come take it from here? Thank you. Um, yeah, on November 21st, around 7.30 in the morning, I reached out to my dad. Jenny and I, my wife Jenny and I, were planning on going to Maryland for Thanksgiving. My mom's mom, my grandma on my mom's side is in Maryland. My dad is in D.C. Um, so I reached out saying, hey, we're going to be in Maryland about 40, 45 minutes away from you guys for Thanksgiving. And if you're open to it, I would love for Jenny and I to come over and see you guys, for you guys to meet Jenny and for me to be able to see you guys and the boys. Um, and a day later, to my surprise, I got a response back from my dad. Um, and this is where things start to get crazy because this is where you see God's hand in all of it. The response that I got from my dad wasn't, um, yeah, sure, or, or it wasn't any kind of like, it wasn't just a simple yes. I could tell from his response that he had taken the time to talk to his wife, my stepmom, to see what their weekend plans were like. And he didn't just say yes. He reached out and said, why don't you guys come over on Sunday at this specific time? And so he was in. Um, so we go to Maryland for Thanksgiving. Um, you know, that was on November 21st. A few days later, we go there and, you know, we're praying through it. Jenny and I start praying about it, too. I'm nervous the whole week. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to get. Um, but my time with my dad and his family and my younger brothers, it was just incredible. It was better than anything I could have hoped or imagined uh, it to be. Um, yeah, we can clap for that. <laughs> and I've always had this desire for us to be reconciled and have a good relationship with one another. Yeah, that's, that's a picture we took together. So those are my two younger brothers. They're twins. They don't look alike. One of them looks a lot like me, the other one acts like me. And so, and then that's my dad um, on my left. And so for eight years, which is how long it's been since we last talked, I had held this belief or this conclusion that I've done my part. When he's ready, he'll reach out. And when he reaches out, I'll be ready. But it's not up to me anymore. I'm not gonna reach out, I'm done. And that was the wrong conclusion that I had come to. I had prayed about it. I had prayed for him. I had blessed him. Um, 
but there was still more that I could do that I wasn't seeing. And so through our prayer time together, the Lord didn't even say it to me. He said it to him, and then he said it to me. Um, but out of, you know, I've, I've gone on with this wrong conclusion in my head, justifying my ways and the things that I had done and really missing out for eight years. And now um, one of the cool things that happened was we had planned to have lunch with them we got there at 1. We thought that we'd be done maybe around 2.30 or 3. So 90 minutes, 2 hours. That's what we budgeted. We ended up staying there for 6 hours because we couldn't get enough of them. They couldn't get enough of us. Um, and so there is clearly a long way to go before we have a certain kind of relationship. But um, I believe that the biggest hurdle has been overcome. Um, and so, yeah, that's the power of prayer. Praise God. Just stay right here for a second, just so we, because I, I just am so just blown away by how when we're praying, God is releasing strength for our hearts, courage, boldness. Sometimes we feel it. Sometimes we don't. But he's faithful and he knows what our hearts need at every single step. His word says that his mercies are new every day. And when I posture my heart to pray, he knows what kind of strength my heart is going to need so that I can have the right attitude about whatever situation is waiting for me. Whatever situation I've got to pick back up on, he already knows. He already has provision for the wisdom my heart is going to need so that I go into the promised land of where it is in, in marriage or with the kiddos or with sickness or with business or with church. Whatever it is for you, I want you to be encouraged to say, oh, you know how to get to my heart so that I can have the right attitude about what it is I'm looking at. Some of you in here might be a day where you say, I'm going to take on getting to just pray with somebody. I, I teach there are two ways to pray. You can pray by yourself and you can pray with others. And maybe for some of you like me, I had reached a point where I'd be, obviously I love to pray, love the Lord. But I was praying by myself, and I'm used to doing a lot of stuff by myself. And so I don't, it's just God's grace that we were able to do that. We're, we're still doing it, and it wasn't a goal. It wasn't something. It just has been happening because God knew how many times my family would be in the ER, the urgent care, the this, the that, this year, over just the last few weeks. How much trouble, but through it all, I count this personally my best uh, fourth quarter of my life. Because for a pastor, it's... Because if you're a good one, uh, people are going through stuff. And I don't know what it is about the fourth quarter, but all the ugly just seem to come out in the fourth quarter. Just like, we've been waiting all year. Now it's about to be like, ah! <laughs> That's how it goes. 
And getting to pray in my own worship time, my family, getting to pray with Pastor Maddie has kept my heart soft. I've been saying more yeses to the Lord. We can talk, talk about that. More yeses to the Lord, but it's because of the prayer. So otherwise, I can be real logical, which just means sometimes I can be prideful and be like, nope, not doing it. Nope, 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 nope. Everything's too hard. Can't do that. Nope, nope, nope. Got to focus on just what's required of me. Nope, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it hasn't been that way. But that's because of getting to pray. God softening my heart. I have a prayer, prayer for us here. Show them that prayer there for me, Daniel. The prayer is help me to see as you see and feel as you feel, Lord. Try that with me. Help me to see as you see and feel as you feel, Lord. That's just my version of what Ephesians 3.16 says. God, I need your courage. I need your wisdom. I need your boldness. I just need more of you. And I want to show up where I live, work, learn, and play as someone whose heart has been affected by the Lord's heart. I don't want to miss out. I don't want anybody attached to me to miss out. Just try it one more time. Prayer. Help me to see as you see and feel as you feel, Lord. You could be praying that by yourself like, you know, where you were. Had drawn the wrong conclusion and it was settled for you in a sense. But then we start praying together. We, didn't even, we weren't talking about it. It hit my heart first. I started praying into it before I ever mentioned it to him. By the time I mentioned it to him, it, you know, we prayed into it, prayed into it, prayed into it. And like you said, a beautiful reconciliation has, has opened and has started. And so that's to say there is a value in praying with another person to our Heavenly Father. Some of you, that's your next step. Like, hey, you know, let's, let's just pray tomorrow. And it's not a pressure on how long or we're going to do it every day. However you led. But maybe you have just been, uh, your faith has been so quiet. Or you're like me, you're just used to just handling so much stuff by yourself. And you got to break out of that and see that there's more support available for you. I just wanted to add, just as in the message, how you talked about how an estimated up to 2 million people ended up missing out on this blessing because 10 people failed to see what was there to see. Um, in the same way for me, I think the way that my relationship with my dad would have gone, it was very likely that we were both going to get to the end of our lives or until one of us got really sick to say something to one another. And in his head, that's justified. In my head, that's justified. But we miss out on so many blessings and then so many people that are directly connected to us and maybe even indirectly connected to us miss out on so much more. Um, and so I'm just so thankful that the Lord used our relationship to start restoring um, this other relationship that is so important to me. Um, and so my prayer is that for all of us at our church is that as we begin to pray with one another and as we begin to encourage one another like that, 
the Lord begins to show us um, some of the ground that we can take yeah. that we have said, oh, that's not, that's not for me, or I'm done here. Um, yeah, so just wanted to share that. Amen. Amen. So let's pray into that together. Thank you, brother. Let's pray into that together. Father, we thank you for your word where we are reminded that with you, in you, through you, there is milk and honey in every area, every arena where we live, work, learn, and play. Lord, because you're so good, where we have talked ourselves out of your goodness, would you help us to re-engage our hearts? Would you give us your spirit boldness to think again, to ask again, to pray again, but to break out of whatever cycle that limits us from entering into more of the fullness that you have. Break that cycle. Make us aware. Thank you that your word is life and that we get fed the hope and the encouragement, the strength we need to really walk with you and come into situations that only you could get the credit for, that only you could get the glory for. Oh, Lord, you have such great things for us in you, with you, in our relationship with you, for every single person in this room, for every single one of us. You've ordained that we would be a people who would call you Father, that would proclaim your excellence the one who's called us from darkness into light on how to do these marriages, these friendships, this business, this money, this health. You have given that. You've ordained that for us. And what you've ordained for us, Lord, help us to not talk ourselves out of it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.